Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 180 of Dogcast Radio, which is our Crufts 2017 special. You can find this and all our other shows plus much more at our website www.dogcastradio.com. Crufts always raises dogs in the public and media awareness, and since the French Bulldog has been making headlines in the UK recently, I wanted to talk to someone who knows all about the breed. In the Discover Dogs section of Crufts, where all the breeds are represented and you can find out more about what each one is really like, I found Jackie Mavro, the Secretary of the Pennine and Scottish French Bulldog Association. Jackie, we're seeing in the main media at the moment, you know, the, the French Bulldog's being touted, oh, it's going to overtake the Labrador yes. in popularity, which is a huge feat in itself, because the Labrador's been top dog for 25 years, is it? As long as I can remember, <laughs> yes, yes. 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 But now there's been this explosion in French Bulldog numbers. So, basically, my question is, is that necessarily a good thing for the breed? No, it's not always a good thing. It's lovely that people love them because they are fantastic dogs and they've got wonderful characters. And it's, it's, it's nice to see that the general public love the dog that you've loved for years and years and years. However, the downside of it is that when it becomes a question of supply and demand, where people are demanding a supply, like next week, then you get people coming into the breed to breed um, the puppies to um, satisfy that demand. And those people haven't always got the the well-being of the breed um, in their foremost thoughts. Often it's a monetary gain that can be driving that, that, that breeding, which in itself is a problem yes. because um, a responsible breeder will try to put together two dogs that have been through the French Bulldog um, health scheme and are fully health tested and DNA tested for as many hereditary genetic problems as, as they can be tested for. And then hopefully that litter will be as healthy as we can get it at the moment. However, like all pedigree dogs and people, there are grandparents and great-grandparents to consider, so you can never guarantee anything. Same as you can't guarantee with a human baby that everything's... I mean, you play the odds, don't you? Yes. And you hope. And then you say scrupulous people... Will, will do all, all they can. Yes. But so the downside of that is that we're seeing more French Bulldogs with health problems, in particular breathing problems, because any two dog, any bitch and dog are being put together, rather than saying, no, we won't use that dog, we won't use that bitch because of its breathing. And then the second thing is that when they become so popular... And you see um, stars um, of screen and television and cinema and racing tracks with these dogs in the non-recognised colours. Then that again, people then start to say, well, these dogs are rare, which they're not, because we've always had them. Um, and they can charge even more for them. Then people think, oh, I'm getting something really special. So they will start paying high amounts of money for it, and so it snowballs. And then dogs start to get imported again to satisfy the demand. So you get illegal imports or imports where the health tests again just don't exist or don't take place. 
And then the outcome of a lot of that is that we start to get them into rescue. And where 10 years ago we only had one rescue, we now have four. And that in itself is an explosion. Um, only this week I went on to the French Bulldog Welfare site. There are five dogs on there waiting for a home. We, we, we normally, we used to get about five a year. It was a waiting list for them. Now, you know, we're struggling to find homes for the dogs that are rejected. And a lot of those are coming in with two main reasons. One, it's their health. They've got a health problem and the owners can't cope with that or can't afford to cope with it. And the second are behaviour problems in temperament. Because again, when you're breeding, you should look very carefully at the mother and father for temperament. And you don't breed bad temperament. You should be breeding to improve the breed, shouldn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Breed to improve the health, breed to improve temperament or to maintain a good temperament. And not for money? Not for money, no, no. I mean, yeah, it's, it's easy to say not for money when, you, when we don't have to breed for money. But it's not now that people have to breed for money. It's a case of, well, if I put these two dogs together, I can earn just some money to go on holiday or yes. something like that. And it's a nightmare. For the dogs isn't really thought of, is it? Yeah. It's a commodity at that point. Yes, yes. yes. And then, of course, the other thing is that when they finish breeding they go and those dogs again come into rescue you know bitches that have had two or three cesareans and they're not yet two or three years old and they come into rescue and it's heartbreaking so if people listening to this are thinking oh yeah i like the look of a french bulldog you know they look a sweet little dog what are they like to live with they can be a handful I mean they're very bright very intelligent they will get into endless mischief Um, they're not good at being left alone they will get into a heck of a lot of mischief if left alone and will become quite neurotic so they're not dogs for people to go out to work all day they, but they, any dogs are commitment, isn't it? But they turned a big commitment. Well, they are. They're, they're bred as companion dogs, yeah. and that's what they like, companionship. Yeah. Um, they're, they're clowns. Yeah. The, the downside is they do have bad flatulence. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So, again, you know, you, you've got to be prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do they snore as well? They should, if they've got good, not well, if their breathing is okay, they shouldn't. I know many people find that an enduring quality, but it's not a good quality because it's putting stress on the um, on all of the systems, the breathing systems, and eventually they're in danger of having a collapsed trachea. So, no, snoring is not a good sign. Uh, although people love it, you know, it's not a good sign. So again, there's going to be people listening to this who will think, oh, I, I want a French bulldog. So, if you think you want to. French bulldog. Right. How should they go about it and make sure they get a healthy, well-bred dog? Well, there's first of all, use the breed clubs um, because the the breed clubs will know or be aware of litters that are either already born or within the system um, from reputable breeders that they can um, say, you know, go and try this person or that person. By all means as well, use the Kennel Club Assure Breeder site. Um, but also at the same time check back with the breed clubs because an assured breeder is not always a breed specialist. Assured breeders are a way of breeding a litter which is the right way of breeding a litter. Doesn't mean to say that you have um, bred uh, you know, in, a, in the right way. 
quite the right way. Yes, You're not yes. a specialist in it, that. It can be a good indication, but it's not a no. guarantee again. It, no, that's right. Yeah. But it, it is better than just going on to the social, social network and looking and seeing what's there and thinking, oh, I like that one, I'll go and buy that one. And the other thing is always make sure that you see the puppy with its mother. Yes. And um, if you can see a photograph of the dad or the dad itself, again, um, ask for details. Always ask for the certificates that they will have got from the correct health testing. Yes. That's important. So what health tests should people be looking for? The French Bulldog Health Scheme which is three levels, bronze, silver and gold. And at the minimum, the mother and the father should hold silver certificates. It's not good enough that if they say, oh, it's been to the vets and the vet says it's all right. That's not what we're talking about because the um, health scheme um, tests the breathing um, under the BOAS, which stands for Brachycephalic Obstructive Airway Syndrome. So we have a test for that with Cambridge University that will score the nostrils and score the breathing so that they know then whether or not you should be using that dog or that bitch for for mating. And there's also the DNA test for early onset hereditary cataract and for a back problem called degenerative myelopathy, which doesn't start until they're about five years old. But again, you know, you can then find out whether the parent's clear or a carrier or at risk if it's at risk it would be best not to use it at all you know so there's there's a lot in it and they need to do their research before they commit to a puppy absolutely and do that research i would say before you even go and look at a puppy because if you walk into somewhere and there's puppies it's very hard to walk read up about frenchies as well get hold of a french bulldog book and read about them read about their their characters their history they were originally not only companion dogs they were bred for ratting and i know lots of them that will go out and catch a rabbit so again you know that although they're very lovable dogs they are also a bull breed and if if sort of faced up to, they won't take prisoners. Yeah, yeah. Although on the whole, they are very lovable and they're great with children. Great with children. But again, like you say, if you look with any breed, if you look at what they were bred to do, yes. that's the character yes. that's going to come through. And so if you if they've been used as ratters, they could be sort of that, that feisty, yes. never yes. give up attitude, yes. isn't they? Yes, yeah. they can. I mean, if, you, if you've ever seen a couple of them having to go at each other, they don't back off. No. As I say, they are a bull breed and they are a big dog in a oh, little yeah. body. Yes, they are. So what's training like with them? Oh, they can be quite stubborn. Yeah. But on the other hand, they're very bright. Yeah. And they will, they will learn very quickly. You yeah, know. There's something in it for them. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and they, um, we've got some that do agility some, and we've got some that do obedience and obviously the ones that show and best of all the ones that are pets and just yes, run round and are loved I mean yes. all of them should be pets first yes. all of them yeah. I absolutely agree that's the most wonderful thing a dog can be yeah so the French Bulldog is a great breed but as with any dog you have to take on board that you need to research the breed understand it and find yourself a reputable breeder sound advice there from Jackie and we have a link to the Pennine and Scottish French Bulldog Association on the Dogcast Radio site. Having heard about French Bulldogs from Jackie, I ventured into the area around the show rings and met a lady whose French Bulldogs are very active. So we're down here in the uh, benching of the French Bulldogs. OK, and I'm here with Jane Morgan. Um, you've just been in the ring with your dog. How did you get on? Oh, she didn't do anything today, so she, but she was... 
yeah. fab to make it. Yeah. You still go home with the best dog? Of course I do. Her little yes. sister got a third in the puppy bitch class, yeah. so yeah. that's good. But you made memories. Definitely did. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're at Crofts. We're at Crofts. So, <laughs> we're at Crofts. So, but she doesn't just show, she's not just a pretty face. What else do you do with her? Well, she, does, she doesn't always come to agility with us because yeah. we have to try and keep her calm for the show ring. But one of my other boys, he yeah. does the agility. Yeah. We took him because he didn't like showing. So we yeah. thought, we we'll still want to do something fun with him. Yeah. Took him to a local training club and he loved it, didn't he? Aww. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Really confident. Um, and he's really fast really athletic he loves it we've taken a few of the others as well but we just sort of focus on him because that's his yeah yeah, that's his little thing i think that's lovely to let the dog choose what he definitely you could see that he wasn't comfortable in the show ring but the minute he stepped in i mean he just walks through the gate sees the a-frame and he's straight up whether or not that's going to be the first obstacle he does he's up the a-frame he stops looks around waits for whoever's going to run with him but yeah I did some agility with my Labrador, and he didn't. Well, his heart really wasn't in it. And he'd do what I was asking him to do, do the, the circuit. And they'd say, okay, good dog. And he'd run off and choose anything and do that just with such yeah. a lot of evil. And you think, you don't really like this. You like playing, but you don't like working. So, so you can was, tell, can't you? Yeah, because it was so much fun for him, yeah. because he really sort of because he had freedom as well to just go and run and jump over all the jumps without all the rest of the dogs. There was no lead. It was just him (laughs) running. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it's not... I suppose it's not something that most French bulldog owners would think of doing. Well, we actually thought it wasn't anything that we'd see another Frenchie doing, but we met a seven-year-old rescue bitch there, Ruby... She does the agility, doesn't she? She's super fast. She's really, really good. She's actually one of the agility team. They're Essex Training Centre. And she's one of the big agility show team there. So. And she's taken on another rescue bitch, three-year-old Pepper. And she goes out. So she's got, quite, she's got a couple of Frenchies that she does it with. So there's Hendrix, my little boy, Pepper and Ruby. And they're all firm friends. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So, what's the best motivation with them? You know, what, how do you reward them? Is it food or no feathers? Feather. He likes feathers, doesn't he? He likes yeah. to. Ch- yeah. We don't do food with them, yeah. so we just use a feather. Like there's feathers all around the floor. Pick a feather up, run along, wave it. If he's if he's <laughs> flagging or if his nose is going off somewhere else, yeah. tickle him with the feather and off he goes again. <laughs> so. Yeah. I've never heard of that yeah. as a reward. I know. That was just to try... It was to get him to do the weave, because he wouldn't do the weave pole, yeah. would he? He'd do everything else, and then he'd run back to the tunnel again, because he liked the tunnel. Oh, or he'd like to run across the top of the tunnel. Yeah. Or, but, yeah, so getting him in and out of the weave with a feather. Oh. And then that was it. Feather worked with everything. I've always... I've got a feather anywhere I go. <laughs> It's good because so, it's not going to distract the other dogs in yeah, the show. Yeah, it's so definitely no right. food. They, yeah. d- they actually don't like food in there because if no, they've got other dogs going in, then they'll stop. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. People at home might be thinking, well, hang on, a, a French bulldog and maybe a, an Alsatian going around the same sized equipment. So explain how that works. Really easily. He's faster than the Alsatian because he's lower to the ground and he's up and down and through. And yeah. yeah, if they've got the big jumps and that, they're higher, obviously, for an Alsatian I mean, yeah, or German yeah. Shepherd than for the Frenchie. Yeah. And they won't let them go before they're a year old because yes. of the bones developing yeah. and stuff. So yeah. when she went as a baby, they'd have everything was flat on the floor for yeah. her just to walk across it. But yeah. 
So she get into the swing a bit. And, oh, she decided yeah. she wanted to go faster and further. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant. They, I mean, they are a smashing breed, aren't they? Cool. Yeah. Full of character. Yeah. But let's just hope. You know that popularity doesn't bring its own problems. We—that's a big, big problem for us at the moment because of the breeding and yeah. uh, with health tests to the max with all of yes. them. You know that is the most important thing with our breeding is the health yeah. testing. And yeah. he's—I mean, he's f- fine with his breathing and that as well. So yeah. we bred four, trying to yeah. get not a long snout, but no, just a little more of a yeah. snout yeah. there. So they're not quite so flat. But yeah. so as we were just saying with Jackie go to the breed clubs and make definitely, sure you go from a, a street go to the breed clubs yeah. to get any advice um, we've discovered dogs we're here all four yeah. days as well I'm going to be there Sunday so yeah. but the breed clubs definitely you'll get tons and tons yeah. of information and help and advice and if you haven't made it to Crufts of course in, if you're in the UK in November there's discover dogs in London in London well. yeah, yeah also there So and there's agility there you can watch yeah. all the dogs if, if, if he qualifies <laughs> Excellent. You might see Hendrix there. Brilliant. Well, the best to look. Thank you very much. Cheers. Not all French bulldogs are couch potatoes. And in fact, it makes you wonder, do they all have the potential to whiz around an agility ring, but most simply don't get the chance? Do you have a French bulldog who is an active dog? If so, we'd love to hear from you. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www dogcastradio.com Crufts is a great platform for many charities some established, some new It's amazing to watch a charity develop from its inception and see it flower and become a reality changing lives, both human and canine Service Dogs UK is one such young but flourishing charity So I'm here with Judith Brauch in Hall 1 Hall one, stand up. Oh, I know, in, up with the prestigious people in Hall one. So, you're here, you service dogs UK, and you're at Crafts. Uh, we are, and it's our first time at yes. Crafts as a charity. And yesterday we arrived at Crafts, and I looked at my phone, and guess what? It was our second birthday as well. Oh. So you know, and I think that's amazing to kind yeah. of think about. Is that two years ago it was just two people with a really crazy idea. Now we're two years on. We actually have five dogs, you know, and we've got two finished partnerships, yeah. and we're doing really, really yeah. well. Yeah. You know, we're doing really, really yeah. well. And I think, you know, the difference we are making in people's lives, you know, that kind of sense of achievement, yes. that independence, you know, that quality of life that you just can't beat, yeah. you know, because it's a waggly tail and a really, really wet, big red nose, or yeah. not, black nose, no, black nose <laughs> what? reindeers what am I talking about <laughs> really making a difference yeah, and yeah. I think for both Gary and myself who's the other co-founder it's we pinch ourselves still and I bet last you know a year ago I would say to you oh god you know Jill you can't you know yeah. we're pinching ourselves I can't believe it's real it is still real and it, yeah. it's going really well yeah, you've done so well yeah. I think two years yeah. it's just amazing and here, here we are with banners and with a Lovely dog, you it's know. Beautiful, yeah. it We've got, it's Max. Is he an English setter? He's an he... English setter, yeah. yeah. And his job role is really relaxation techniques. It works on him. Yeah, it he's, really. <laughs> he's lying on a sofa. I'll put. I'll try and get a picture and put it yeah. on the dog yeah. site. But he's on his back on a sofa with legs akimbo kind of thing, as relaxed as I've ever seen I a know. dog. And the, 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 what surprised me was I said hello to him. Another lady saying hello to him. He. 
he doesn't, doesn't care. He doesn't care. And I think he is just in heaven, really, yeah. at Crofts, because it basically means lots of love, spends a lot of time with my co-founder, Gary, who's his dad. He gets free treats, well, you know. Be- what more could a dog want? What more could a dog want? Sorry, Absolutely perfect. Yeah. yeah. So he lives with you, does he, Gary? He does, yeah, yeah. He's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's. I've got. He's one of two, um, and they're polar opposites. He is, um, as you can see, just a little bit chilled out. Uh, whereas the other ones are, is it? Yeah, he gets it from me, obviously. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I'm a little bit more like the other one. A little bit. The other ones are a little bit hyper, and uh, but um, it's a good mix because he 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 brings me down and shows me the value of just being taking life a little bit easy. He'd be really, really relaxing because just sitting by him for a couple of minutes, and you think, yeah, I'll just sit here and let the world go by, and who cares? I yeah. Offer it a spa treatment. What do you think? I think so. I think you so. Know, you so raise a lot of money for yeah. the charity. You I think, think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that could be an idea. You know, <laughs> share, yes. yeah. get an oxytocin boost. You know, three pounds. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. At least. At least. <laughs> least. You could call it relax with a max. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. This is your PR guys. department, isn't it? Is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just come out with a lot of corny stuff. Uh, he does. Nothing yeah. wrong with corny. And since we've started Surface Dogs UK, Gary has come out with lots of corny stuff. Yeah. Haven't you? You know, like yeah. teamwork is dream work. Oh, Woo-hoo! I like it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's working. It's got you a long way in two years, hasn't it? Gosh. It has, yeah. Two yeah. years only. And I think one of the things that is also so exciting is going to be our future. Yes. You know, I think one of the things of the last two years that has stood out is we've really been able to surround ourselves with really passionate people. And I think looking to the future, I think it's like kind of looking like it's going to be more of the yeah. same. Yeah. And I think hopefully as well of expanding to other areas in the future you know and just grow because at the moment everybody's talking about mental health talking about mental health is great but actually doing something about it is even better yeah absolutely and say before before we go any further because obviously we're all being very enthusiastic down here but for anybody that doesn't know what is Service Dogs UK what do you do so Service Dogs UK provides and trains assistance dogs for two veterans of the emergency services and the armed forces who've got post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. I couldn't have, put, I couldn't have said it any better myself. <laughs> Teamwork is dream work. <laughs> You've peaked, haven't you? That's oh, it. I've peaked, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what, what kind of things do your dogs do? Uh, they do a variety of things. They'll do the traditional assistance dog tasks like uh, opening and closing cupboard doors, getting fetching meds, uh, medicines for the for the veterans um, they'll push buttons and that sort of thing but also they'll do things specifically to help a veteran with PTSD and that might be uh, responding to an alarm on a phone in order to get the meds because a lot of the time they struggle to remember to take the meds and if they don't take the meds then they they they, they go downhill quite quickly so it's really important that uh, with Ajax for example our first dog uh, we recognise this was a problem specifically for this veteran and we trained the dog to go and do that. But they also uh, interrupt nightmares. Uh, that's really important because if a veteran's frightened to go to sleep because of the nightmares, then he doesn't get any rest and that makes the condition even worse. Um, they'll interrupt uh, veterans when they dissociate uh, and bring them back to the here and now. Zoning Act, dissociation. 
Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, if they have an anxiety attack, we've got dogs that will take uh, the veteran to the nearest exit and get them out of a crowded situation. Uh, they also provide a, a, a friendly, furry barrier, so it just gives them a little bit of space around them, and we'll train the dogs to position themselves so that it gives them space in a, in a shopping centre or somewhere like that. Incredible. It really is brilliant. Um, where can people find out more about you online? They can visit surfacedogsuk.org. Well, and how's Crofts been so far? This is your first, first time at Crofts. How's it been? Great. <laughs> no, it's been really good. It's been really, really good. That's a good, good response from people. Very good response. And I think one of the things, it's all about making people aware yes. of what we do. Yeah. And I think also I quite like the idea that we are making people aware of mental health in the armed forces yeah. and the emergency services. Because, yes, we love doggies, but that is equally important to us. Yeah. yeah. A huge congratulations to Judith Brauch and Gary Bottrell, who, as mentioned, were accompanied at Crufts by English setter Max, whom we have a photograph of on the Dogcast radio site, reclining on his sofa, being extremely chilled out. To hear a more in-depth interview with Judith about Service Dogs UK, check out episode 169 of Dogcast Radio, and on our website we have a link to the servicedogsuk.org website. I was very pleased to meet up with my good friend Debbie Connolly at Crufts. We talked about an important subject that's been prominent in her mind recently. Hi Debbie. Hello, how are you Julie? Fine thanks, how are you? I'm very good, it's very nice to have us on the same microphone again. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. at the same table. Yes. <laughs> Back with my on-mic wife. Oh absolutely. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about children, not us having children. Oh, God forbid, no. <laughs> Although that would be a formidable child. That would be a formidable schmaltz corner, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> but we're going to talk about child safety with, with dogs in mind. So, because you've got a lot to say on this, you've got strong views. Um, so where should we start with child safety? Well, I have a lot of strong views, as you know, Julie. <laughs> yep, yeah, I know. The... The work that I do these days, um, I came back to doing some expert witness work for court um, a couple of years ago. And that means that if your dog bites somebody, it's involved in a dangerous Dogs Act incident, you're going to court. Then I'm uh, someone who can assess your dog, produce a report and go to court. So it took me back into the world of a lot more of the dog bite cases. And, and some are silly, some are avoidable, and some are incredibly tragic. So it took me back into thinking about... Uh, pet and child safety in general, how we can deal with it. I spoke to the great aunt of, of a child killed in 2013 by a rescue dog. And the, the case was all over the papers, people. I won't mention her name at this point, but people will probably know the case. And so over the last uh, year, particularly, it's been on my mind that we need a little bit more out there. Now, there are some very good schemes out there. The Kennel Club has Safe and Sound, and there's a couple of other ones who offer advice on how to behave around yes. dogs. But... What I see are the results of dogs who weren't prepared, um, parents who didn't think about what they needed to do. So I started the Parent Pet Club um, about 18 months or so ago. And the idea of that is anybody who wants any advice, if you are a grandparent, a parent, uh, these days we've got all sorts of modern things, combining families, adoptions, fostering. So dogs can sometimes find themselves suddenly faced with a child which is something I wouldn't particularly like either, of course. I don't think the child would be that keen, but no, there you go. they, they usually cry when I touch them, often when I just look at them, of course. 
so I started Parent Pet Club with the idea of creating something that was a, a sort of a focal point for anybody who just wanted advice. I get social workers ringing, asking, you know, my, my clients or my family I'm involved with has such and such a breed. Do you think there should be a problem? What can we do? I get counsellors who contact me because they're dealing with um, fosters and adoptions and they want the dogs, the current dogs assessing to see if they would be safe. So... It's, it's a world of, of in, on the good side, I think increasing knowledge, but also, unfortunately, increasing incidents as well, you know, ranging from the truly tragic fatalities we've seen over the last few years to really just quite minor misunderstandings. So I've come at it with my behaviour head-on and much more of a preparation in mind. So through Parent Pet Club, I created a very simple thing that I've called STOP. The acronym STOP was meant to stand for the main things that, that mean that, that the, the dog could be a problem or to help people understand what the principles are. So we've got uh, smells and sounds, we've got touch, we've got obedience and we've got posture. And those things are all talking about, you know, posture is about can you recognise when a dog's stressed and it's not always a barking, shaking dog. Because so often when we, you know, oh, there was no, there was no warning, it came out of the blue and he bit, you know, probably not. Well, Facebook infuriates me because of the pictures that you see of um, dogs sitting on the floor and a child on top of them, laying on top of them, using them as cushions. The dog clearly showing awful, awful signals. Um, So calming signals are often missed. So each of those things is, is meant to be something to consider. So... You can introduce different sounds, different scents. One of the things I recommend, for example, is if somebody is expecting a child, um, then if they ask somebody who's got a a baby themselves and bring home a dirty nappy or a dirty top and stick it on a doll, it looks ridiculous and it looks a bit like they need some sort of help, but it does make a difference. You get used to carrying it to making sure that you can cross the room with with a baby with a dirty nappy or a child covered in jam or milk or whatever. Because I think this is one of the problems. Babies are fascinating. They're covered in food, they have edible nappies, and they make high-pitched noises. So dogs must find them hugely interesting. And they're young, and it, it's almost like, you know, dogs seem to have this innate sense of, oh, they're young, they, you know, to some dogs, they need protecting, they need investigating in some way. So, yeah, they are intriguing to a dog. Well, they must be. I mean, they're a source of food and entertainment, I think. Um, but the worst-case scenario, of course, are some of the high-pitched screams that babies make, which, can, unfortunately, can be a bit like prey. So you can desensitise your dog to that, you can introduce the, the different smells and sounds and you can build all of that up to a tolerant level with lots of reward for that. When you're looking at touch, you're looking at can your dog be groomed, can its feet be picked up, can you examine its teeth and ears, because children do that, um, whether it wants it or not, they do it to humans quite a lot as well. Um, obedience, just simple stuff, will your dog get off the sofa when it's told, um, will it... Will it Will it walk on a lead nicely? Otherwise, how are you going to take it down the road with your child? Um, will, it, um, will it behave itself overall? Uh, will it listen? Will it back out of the way? Has it got good manners? And then posture is, is the bit that's just about, can you recognise stress in your dog? Do you know when it turns its head away and rolls its eyes back, will I, that that's a calming signal and it's a sign that the dog's not happy with the thing that it's rolling its eyes back towards while trying to avoid conflict? Um, you know, circling, licking, there are all sorts of characteristics that to the untrained eye might look a bit ordinary, but in fact are an indication of something's going wrong. And as you said, the next thing is people say, out of the blue, it was unpredictable. And then you go back and look at pictures, or, or in my case, I take the history of the dog up to, up to the court case. And, and you hear these stories and you think, but it was so obvious, really, that something was going to go wrong. So the stop campaign is all about 
parent pet club trying to support people and trying to explain all the things that you can do um, to avoid a problem in the future, but it's about getting the best result by preparing your dog or cat, incidentally, um, for the arrival of a new child. I mean, the thing is, children and dogs, cats, animals, they can be a brilliant mix. They can be, and it can be a disaster, we know. But, as you say, preparation goes a long way with the child and the animal as well. So, yeah, there are things you can do, definitely. There's lots of them. I mean, one of the worst things is people not changing the rules beforehand. So, for example, if I'm going to visit a home, I've done a few recently where you've got a family with a dog and a child is going to come and live with them. In one case, it was to live with, the last two I've done, it was to live with a child who was already there and then we're going to foster a relative's child. And the other one was, was a family who, a middle-aged couple who've, uh, whose dogs have never lived with a child. Um, so in both cases, I was looking at good practice. When, yeah. when I went in one of the houses, um, three big dogs mugged me, jumped on me, um, sat all over me. And, and the child that's coming to live with them is about 13, so she's not tiny, but still not really appropriate. Um, we talked about a safe place for the dogs to go and to be taught that now. You know, you can't waltz in with the child and suddenly change everything for your dog. You can't suddenly say, well, you used to get on the sofa, you can't now. Um, you're going to have to go behind that baby gate that you've never seen before in your life. Um, you know, you can't come with us on a walk. The idea is to make to make the whole process, and it, and it is stressful, but to make it easier for the dog, you start changing things and putting these new things in place before the child comes. So there's lots that can be done. And, and you know, I, I didn't have a dog as a young child, um, and I would have loved one. And, and I think... I think if you've got sensible parents, good supervision, then it's a great thing to have a dog to go and play football with and, and groom and go swimming with. And, you know, these are fantastic relationships, but um, but can go wrong, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have to say, looking back, we got Buddy, we got Buddy, um, Jenny was seven when we got Buddy, and then when she was ten, she had her own dog. Yeah. And she, I mean, she and Buddy sort of bonded so much. And then she was such... A little mother with her own dog. You know, she just looked after her. And when we had Star Spade, you know, Jenny spent all the night cuddling her and feeding her water on a spoon. And it it showed me another side of my child that I she'd never had an outlet for before. And it's wonderful. I think it's I think it's great for children to learn responsibility and and empathy for another creature. You know, and and not using it as a cushion or a football. Um, just learning that it's a living thing and has needs and wants and, and deserves your empathy and your, and your protection as well. And I think those are fantastic things for children to learn. And of course, when, when, you know, obesity being a problem with dogs and, and humans, obviously, you know, to get the child active with the dog, yeah. doing an activity, you know, yeah. wear them both out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I once um, trained, trained a, a greyhound who was, uh, he was about six years old and this family had had him for about six months. And they had two sons, one of whom was a very shy boy. And the dog wasn't very playful. Um, and and they, I remember the lady coming and spending a few days training with me because she said what was upsetting was she'd got this dog six months earlier, ideally as a companion for this boy who wasn't the bravest going out in the world. Um, and the younger child was getting on quite well, but the dog wasn't playful. Um, so they came to spend a couple of days because they were actually at the point they were thinking of returning the dog to the rescue centre. And, and I mean, greyhounds are a bit lazy in the house. Um, 
and they, you know, they're not the speed merchants that people think they are. But the other thing was, I think this dog had, I believe, had come originally from a racing background, so he'd never really had any toys. He'd retired probably at four. He'd had one home since then. He'd not played a great deal. So we started from teaching him to play. And to get the boy involved, one of the things I taught him was, because he loved to skateboard, this boy, so... We had this large paved area and I taught him to skateboard with a treat in his hand so the dog would follow him. And the dog thought that was the funniest thing ever. And actually what he started to do was do it with a tennis ball and then throw the ball ahead and the dog would get it and bring it back. So I remember getting a fantastic video of them. They'd been home about a month of of this boy in the park for the first time playing with this dog on his skateboard, throwing toys. It was just heaven, it really was. And they had the most amazing bond in the end, really good. Your, your job was well, I've got corner now, haven't I? <laughs> For those people who used to hear us on the Dog News Show, that was Julie's role <laughs> yes. to tell a sad tale that I could pick apart. And now I've told the sad tale, oh, but I, you won't pick it apart because you're too no, nice. I am. I am. I am too nice. But I am to balance things. I better be cold and clinical and okay. cynical, quick. Okay. <laughs> but I can't think of a no. name. So, at that point then, the coldest and clinicalist thing I can think is just say, okay, where can people find out more about this online? If you go on Google Parent Pet Club, you will find it. Um, You can look at, um, if you go on Facebook, you'll find some information. If you go to safepets.co.uk, to my main training website, um, you can get more information. And um, there's a new leaflet, which we're both staring at now. Um, I did this leaflet recently, and thank you to all the people who've requested copies. It's been sent out to uh, vets and rescues and all sorts of places. If you want a leaflet giving you some ideas about how to prepare your dog and, and about parasite control, which is very important when you've got kids and dogs, it's all about how to wear your children properly, I believe. Um, if you want copies of the leaflet, uh, go to safepets.co.uk and I'll happily send some out in the post to you. As always, excellent advice from Debbie, who really knows what she's talking about and can help you make sure your dog and children get off on the right foot. We have a link to the Safe Pets UK website where you can find out more. It was lovely to talk to her again. And if you enjoyed that, you can find all the Dog News Show podcasts at thedognewsshow.com. I always look forward to finding out the latest from the wonderful medical detection dogs. Their dogs change and save lives. And over the years, it's been marvellous to see the charity grow and develop. I spoke to Dr Claire Guest to find out their latest news. But as you'll hear, I had caught a glimpse of a press release in the press room and got the wrong impression. Although we're dog cast radio here. You've trained a cat. What's this about? No, so we've trained a dog to find a cat. Right. So, yeah, so what we've done, we were were, um, approached by a gentleman who runs a company that looks for people's lost cats. So these are people that are really distressed because their cats have gone missing. And they're often shut in somewhere. Um, and sadly, you know, they, they, they die quite quickly if, they, if they're shut in. They're frightened, they, they, they become stressed. No water, etc. So he said, do you think you could teach a dog to find a cat, but not any cat, a particular cat that's been lost? I scratched my head a bit and I thought, well, yeah, why not? You know, these dogs can smell human disease to pass yeah. the trillion. Why could they not smell a, smell a cat? So we started off doing um, cat matching, so bedding to bedding, so training a dog to find smell the cat's bit of bedding and then go and find that bit of bedding amongst other cats bedding did that well went on and now we've got a dog that will find smell like bits of cat's bedding go out into the wherever and find this cat if it's if it's lost 
quite incredible. Yeah. I, I remember talking to, I think it was Jenny, who was her name, she's got um, Tigger, who was a beagle that found lost dogs. Oh, but nice. I mean, lost cats as well. Yes, yeah, they do. Yeah, they yeah, wander yeah. into places. Exactly. I've nearly shut ours in the airing cupboard, mate. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so. the thing is, it's another way of changing well, exactly. lives. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's all about, you know, benefits to the, to the, the owners. I mean, they're suffering huge stress losing their pets and benefits to the cat. And, you know, we had the, the gentleman that we trained the dog for, you know, obviously he, he covered all the costs for the charity. But, you know, it's still fantastic. Another another application of dogs using its nose. Yeah, yeah. And uh, amazing, as you say. For anybody that hasn't heard of medical detection yeah. dogs and where have they been? <laughs> but, I mean, just tell me some of the ways, some of the functions your dogs take on. So we've got these two sides to, the, to our work, and it, it sort of sounds a bit complicated, but if we start from the thinking, well, every single disease and condition has um, a bio chemical ch- causes a biochemical change produces a change in our smell effectively you know us humans can smell it sometimes yeah, on each yeah. other so the two sides of our charity we have a, a, a bio detection side and that's where dogs are trained to find um the odor of disease from samples yeah. so it might be a urine sample a breath sample a sweat sample and we also have our medical assistance dog program and that's where dogs are trained to find or notice odor yeah. changes in their owners and these would be owners suffering from life-threatening conditions. Yeah. So owners that would perhaps go into hospital any, any minute of the day. Using exactly the same understanding, these odour changes that occur just before a medical emergency. Yeah. And it's amazing because they, they, the dog can sense it before, in some cases, like with the diabetes, yeah, before yeah. the equipment the oh, shows it. Absolutely. I mean, we, do, we, we, know, we don't understand a lot of how the dog's able to do this, but we do know that, you know, um, the dogs with the owner and, and, and notices this change in odour that seems to occur, as you say, particularly with uh, type 1 diabetics, before the metres, even the internal metres, are actually picking up on that change. It's, I mean, it's incredible. They are amazing, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other one that amazes me is because you trained the first scientifically proven Addison's detection dog, did, didn't indeed. you? Yeah, we did. And that always amazed me because he was a rescue dog, and a lot of yeah, your dogs yeah, are rescue yeah, dogs, yeah, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. But again, that is... That was where the cortisol drains from your body. Yeah, exactly. So again, you're t- you're, they're detecting the lack of something. Exactly, exactly. And I think, I think you know, we've all sort of, you know, for years, people have said, oh, dogs can smell fear. Well, I'm sure they can smell fear because they can obviously smell high adrenaline and high cortisol, which is what we get when we get frightened. But also they can, they can smell the opposite. So they can smell when the body's been drained dangerously low because it smells different, basically. Yeah. It smells different to the norm, if you want to call it that. So um, all we have to do is teach the dog that we're interested in that and he'll tell us when it happens. It's amazing to me. And also, I mean, you have amazing supporters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your patron. You've got the Duchess of Cornwall. Have we you? have indeed. Yeah. We have, yeah, 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 yeah. But people do seem to be drawn to you. Once you see the work that your dogs do, people are drawn to you. Yeah, I think, I think it's a combination of things, you know. I mean, partly that we are focused on this fantastic relationships between dogs yeah. and people. You know, we have this no-kennel policy... We're asking dogs to do something that dogs do naturally anyway. You know, dogs have been doing this. Mm. It's just that we, ha- us humans, haven't really noticed. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think there's a lesson there. So, you know, once the dog understands we want to know, they're more than happy to tell you. And it's the fact that um, we're understanding more and more about what the dog can do and, 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 and using very, very positive ways to get, yeah. you know, understand the dog. So I think that's partly it. And I think, actually, we probably all believe that dogs have this ability. You know, all us people that have lived around dogs for many many years you know we've seen these things in our dogs and understanding those things more is just I feel really privileged to be doing it I mean we've got a a dog um, that was on the stand that she's just just left but um, she has a condition called POTS 
uh, and uh, posterior autostatic tachycardia syndrome. She has these sudden drop attacks. They come from nowhere. She can be standing up, um, talking, and she will literally hit the ground, you know, completely. Now, it's very, very frightening and very, very, very serious because, you know, if I were to fall on you now, you know, we could take the number of people that hit our heads on things, whatever. So this dog warns her, in fact, this is a pot's dog here as well, warns her just before the collapse, about uh, three to four minutes before, licking, 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 staring, licking. So what the person's able to do is make themselves safe, sit down or lie down, and then they go unconscious. This happened twice this morning on the stand. On both occasions, the dog clearly identified just before the event. She was able to sit in her wheelchair and she then went unconscious. You know, I've been training these dogs now for 10 years and it brings tears to my eyes. Absolutely incredible. Not just the fact that the dog can do this because his nose is brilliant, but the fact that the dog wants to do it. You know, it's just absolutely breathtaking. And I I think that's what inspires people. Yeah. It's incredible. They are. are. I mean, I've been, I can remember interviewing a lady here and she, she, I think she was diabetic. She'd gone unconscious on the street and had her purse stolen and all kinds of horrible things. And and I filled up and I thought, you know, I have to keep going. But it is very, very touching. I mean, the dog, the canine stories, you know, the dog side of it, the stories are touching. But the human stories are just incredible. The lives you change. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. And we've got, in terms of the biodetection dogs, we've got some fantastic opportunities over the next few years. So we've we've got this three-year clinical trial with the NHS Trust looking at prostate cancer. Very scary time for us, you know, because... We've got, we've got the opportunity now. The NHS have said, come on, you've been telling us you can do this. Get on and do yeah. it now. <laughs> so we've got a 3,000-patient trial. Now, that's going to keep us really busy. So at the end of it, we're hoping to prove the reliability of our dogs over a big sample size. Yeah. If that works, people go into hospital and they could be offered the canine test. Yeah. I mean, how exciting would that oh, be? Yes. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. But we've also got a malaria study starting. Yeah. Um, we've got samples coming in from the Gambia um, to see whether malaria parasite changes our skin odour so that people with malaria that are passing malaria around because actually what I didn't understand I'm not a mosquito expert is that if, if somebody has malaria the mosquito chooses to bite them and that's how the malaria gets, keeps being passed wow. so can a dog smell malaria yeah. we, you know, we're doing a Parkinson study terrible, terrible, <laughs> yes, terrible yeah. condition unfortunately I was very sad and my father's just been diagnosed with it probably had it for years prior to diagnosis I mean, number, yeah. I mean a number of years so we're doing a, a Parkinson study now. These are things where, if the dogs can help us identify these things quickly, you know, the 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 the, the, the progression of the disease can be greatly, you know, slowed yeah. down. People's yeah. quality of life um, is better. And um, you know, I just I say I just wake up every morning excited about what we're going to find out next. Yeah. Tired as well. But <laughs> I mean. I was going to say, you are very lucky because you do love your job, obviously, but you are very clever and very hard-working as well, I know. That's very, that's very kind of you, but I, don't, I, don't, I, 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 don't, I feel very lucky, as I say, very privileged that, yeah. you know, um, being in, in, in a time where we've noticed these things about dogs, yeah. you know, because um, ever since I was um, tiny, in fact, I, you know, the, the book Daisy's Gift that's on the stand is, is, is about, it's an autobiography, but it's much more about the charity than, than myself, and it tells tells the story of how um, I started to realise that dogs could do this and then of course about my personal story about my own dog warning me about my yes. breast cancer yeah. and um, you know we're, we're, it's, 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 it's a charity story but um, you know I do I say in it you know I feel very privileged but when I was tiny you know in my, in my pushchair 
my parents said as soon as I saw a dog I used to become hysterical with excitement they had no idea why <laughs> they, we, they said we, haven't, we didn't have a dog at the time yeah. and they were, this child was going berserk with excitement yeah. so where does that come be, from yeah. you know yeah. it's strange isn't it yeah. and before we finish apparently you've got one of the dogs on the stand was destined you saved yes her, saved her from the meat exactly exactly well um, with, a, with a whole group of people um, done some fantastic work um, and um, yes they, they went out to South Korea I've done some work in South Korea and you know I'm saddened by the fact that you know I was out there 10 years ago training people up to, to respect dogs and how to train dogs and sadly the meat trade has continued um, there was a, a meat farm closed down and what, what, you know, what we thought with, with Roger Mugford and um, Company of Animals is that you know, it would be great if we could get one of these dogs rescue one of these dogs and show that this dog is as able and, and, and willing to work with humans as any other yeah, dog because yeah. the way they sort of get around it is by saying sort of almost distancing themselves from it saying these aren't dogs like mm. the dogs at Crofts these are different sorts of dogs you know but um, yeah I mean the, the dog we have now she's been with us a couple of months having been in horrendous I mean dog people would cry to see yeah. uh, you know where she's been and um She's now, uh, well, she, I can't see her behind us, but, um, oh, no, yeah, she's here. Yeah. So, um, see, she's putting on weight, got a beautiful yeah. coat. Um, she's uh, just started doing some detection work, which yeah. she loves, and she plays with other dogs. And I think we all cried the first day she played with another dog, which yeah. is like, and um, I understand she's still very good at jumping on worktops. Um, no, you've got to find a use for that now, then. That's a absolutely. talent. <laughs> uh, if there's food, she yeah. finds it. But then, you know, she has been starved. But, yeah, no, she's doing really well. And we're, we're just... It's giving something back to the dogs, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's both, isn't it? It's the, yeah, the dogs and the people. Yeah. Oh, bless Because one of the sadnesses for me is that, um, you know, we're progressing so much with our understanding of dogs, but there is still so much cruelty or ignorance around the world. And, you know while I'm still on the planet, if I could do anything to change that. And I'm not brave like these people that go out and deal in, deal, um, uh, you know, in parts of the world with these horrific things. I, I, you know, I absolutely admire the people that are able to do it. I absolutely admire them. But, you know, if we can do our bit to help, then, you know, we're really willing to. You, it is. You've created a, a marvellous, marvellous <laughs> charity. I, I can remember at the beginning. I know. But it's, it's grown <laughs> so amazingly. Where can people find you online? So it's uh, we've got a, a website www.medicaldetectiondogs.org.uk. So um, go on there. There's lots lots to see and uh, regular updates about the dogs in training. Medical Detection Dogs is truly an amazing charity, well worth supporting. Who knows what the future holds for them? Great things, I'm sure. We have a link to medicaldetectiondogs.org.uk and I'm currently reading Claire's book which gives fascinating insights into the charity's work. I'll be reviewing it in an upcoming show. In the midst of all the frantic activity that is Crufts, I found an island of peace and tranquility. This island had four legs, was there with owner Kate Archer and has a very special purpose in life. Doug the Pug Therapy Dog is sitting there, very chilled out. <laughs> he is. He's having a lovely time, giving pug hugs and sharing love and kindness. How old is he? He's seven, so he's been working for six years now, and nearly six years, and uh, he loves it. We are here today to promote our book, Doug the Pug, A Working Dog's Tale, and all of the royalties from the book go back to Pets as Therapy. 
I bet he must keep a bit out for dog biscuits. <laughs> no, all the all, that was a joke. All the world is going to. He is yes. a greedy scavenger you could ever ever wish to meet. I can identify with that. Yes, so I think we all can. We all love cake. Oh. <laughs> so, how did Doug get into being a pet therapy dog then? It's something I've always been interested in, and uh, I think it's such a great organisation. I have a really lovely Labrador at home, but she's just too bouncy and too jumpy. And when we got Doug, we just knew he had the perfect temperament yeah. to be a therapy dog. Yeah. Oh. I know what you mean. I've got a black lab at home, and he's 14, but he's still bouncy. Well, Thank goodness. Yes. That's interesting. My Labrador's 12, so she's got yeah. no hope, has she, if yours is 14? <laughs> no. you know, hang in there. It could happen. Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe not. Oh. So where, where does um, Doug, sort of, what, where does he visit? What kind of places does he go oh, to? Doug's very busy. We work three or four days every week. And he works in two mental health units in London, Brixton and Pimlico. And um, he works in schools in Buckinghamshire and people referral units. And also works in a hostel for vulnerable families finding themselves between permanent homes. He works in a hospice for life-limiting conditions. And also in a care home for the elderly. And when they're in hospital, we go, we go and see them there. Yeah. He's a very gentle dog, isn't he? I bet he gives people a lot of peace when they need it. He does, and I think that that makes him particularly good with those with learning differences or those with extra needs in a mental health unit. He was working with a blind guy last week who had his hands all over Doug's face, and Doug had such empathy, he clearly knew that this guy actually needed the tactile sensory experience. I was just watching him, and people, strangers to him are coming up and just stroke it very nicely, stroke him on the head. But he, there's no hand... You know, not that he would be hand-shy as a pet therapy dog, but he doesn't mind that a stranger comes up and does the head stroke straight away. No, but he's being adored and glorified. <laughs> I think that we'd all love that, really. <laughs> he knows he's being treasured, and that's really rather special. Oh, bless him. <laughs> oh, Look at that. Loving it. That is so lovely, oh, isn't it? Oh, he's having oh, a hug. And I know. Oh, it's gorgeous. Hi. Oh, <laughs> So where can people find out more about Pets as Therapy? Um, Pets as Therapy have their own website, www.petsastherapy.org, or on my website, www.dugthepugtherapydog.com. And I imagine he's Doug on social media? He is. He has an Instagram page. He has over 15,500 followers on Instagram now. And uh, that's at Doug the Pug Therapy Dog. He's on Facebook too. And all of the links for Facebook, Twitter, his Tumblr blog, they're all on his website. Excellent. We'll check that out. We'll put some links on. Lovely. And I noticed, I've just been told, he's got his own business cards as well. He has his own business cards, yes. But and my dog's going to be seriously jealous at this. <laughs> yes, Doug's keeping up with the times. His own book, his own business card, his own website. Yeah. He's a busy boy. Yes. Well, Buddy has a book. We'll have to see about the business cards. Well, you have to keep up to date, don't you? You can find out more about the delightful Doug the Pug therapy dog via the links Kate mentioned there, which are all clickable on the Dogcast Radio site. We are the proud owners of Doug's book, which we had signed, and I can recommend it as a good read, which is beautifully laid out and illustrated. Only days before Crufts, Buddy was diagnosed with arthritis in his paw. He was very reluctant to put any weight on his front right paw and was as miserable as I've ever seen him. But, with some painkillers and some U-Move tablets, he was soon feeling a lot better and able to move around much more freely and easily. A company called Lint Bells makes U-Move, which I'd heard good things about, and having seen its effect for myself, I was eager to visit the Lint Bells stand. 
Tom, here at the Lint Bells stand with John Howie. Hi, John. Hi, nice to see you. What, and you, what kind of crafts are you having? Fantastic. It's been a very busy craft so far. Yes. Yeah. You, you're a difficult man to get a hold of, I'm telling you. I've had to wait my turn here. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, we have a lot of customers. I think earlier when you were waiting, I had one of our customers just came up to tell me that they'd named their dog after me, which is very <laughs> nice of them. <laughs> Bless. Oh, well, I, I know where that's coming from because my dog Buddy has turned 14 in December and he was diagnosed recently with um, arthritis in his front paw. I mean, he's, he's doing well, but up till then he'd been doing okay. It really made him so miserable and immobile and he didn't want to get up on the sofa and it just changed his attitude to life as well as quality of life. And the vet prescribed seven days of painkillers, which obviously helped as well yeah. and you move now i was in a lucky position because i'd heard of you move and i was like oh yes i've heard good things about this so i got some comfort from that from that and within two or three days we saw an improvement and now he's walking again you know you know i'm thinking well, we could go out and walks again which i'd given up on ever going again so i wanted to talk to you because i want other people to know this and obviously a lot of people know this already yeah. but i want to spread the world word and help other people because it's frightening when they say arthritis and you think oh, this is the beginning of the end Absolutely. it's not so so you move is amazing um, so let's talk about what is you move uh, well it's a joint supplement that's got a combination of essentially three key ingredients that help so there is a very high strength glucosamine that's there to support the joint structure so that's there for long-term wear and tear we also have something called hyaluronic acid um, and that makes up the cushioning fluid in the joint so that's there for lubrication and and if they're sort of running around it protects the joint as they're running Um, and then the third ingredient which is uh, a lot of what you'll have seen with your dog um, is we have a very high quality greenlit muscle um, and that has very high levels of particular omega-3s which are good for easing stiffness in the joint and giving them some comfort as well and you are very particular about where you source that from aren't you uh, ridiculously so yeah <laughs> uh, obsessive I think would be, would be yeah. the way so yeah so I mean we've done a lot of work to identify the exact specification of greenland muscle that we need um, so we look at an analysis of over 40 different uh, essential fatty acids within there and have a profile that we need to do that now in order to do that we can't just go out and buy any old no. greenland muscle so we actually we've worked very closely with our partners in New Zealand because greenlit mussels are only grown in New Zealand and we've identified within New Zealand the specific bays and the right times of year for each of those bays where these very high quality green mussels are, are grown and then we, we dry them very carefully so that we protect those very delicate omega-3s to ensure that when we uh, put it into U-Move that the, all of that ben- natural benefit in terms of uh, easing stiffness is maintained in the finished product. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's the nearest thing to a magic wand I've come across. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have worked very hard, and we, uh, a few years ago we commissioned the Royal Veterinary College to do a clinical study on U-Move, so they were able to demonstrate uh, the benefit in a six-week period. So we, we studied it for six weeks and showed that dogs were able to move much more easily after, after six weeks. But as you've experienced... It can often happen faster than that. Yes, yeah, it's amazing. He's staying on it now. <laughs> well, to be honest, once people try you, if they do tend to stick with it. Um, so, it, and it, to the extent now that um, it's actually the UK's number one uh, veterinary recommended joint supplement. Yeah, 
because there's not many supplements that you know your vet will say you hear things you know and you read it on Facebook and Twitter and oh this might work I'll try this but not many things that the vet says no this is proven this works yeah and I think so doing the clinical study was an important part of that um, so we were able to provide independent evidence to show that the product works uh, but also vets see the get the feedback from their clients and they're seeing the benefits for the for the when they do the recommendation um, so yes we are seeing a lot of vets that continue to recommend it and recommend it to more and more of their clients and i mean you must get a fair amount of feedback direct to you i would imagine we do that's fantastic every single day every single day so it's for our customer services team we're getting telephone calls and emails and comments on our facebook pages no it's a very rewarding yeah. part of the job to yeah. be honest yeah. that we can help people yeah i mean it is life-changing because you know i i would got to the point of thinking oh no you know this really is this is the end isn't going to be far away but now i'm thinking no he's, he's got a whole new lease of life we, we're going to be okay and i think it gives everybody uh, an extra tool to manage the condition yes. it, the thing is with joint issues is they are progressive and they do get worse over time but if you can manage it through and one of the key reasons that we were keen to produce you moving the way we have is it enables your dog to keep moving so if they can keep moving then they keep muscle mass and that helps them to hold their joints together much better so we're trying to just keep dogs happily moving around instead of being stuck in the basket they can run across the field or chase squirrels or whatever it is that turns them on Um, but by keeping moving then they're just keeping their joints in a much healthier condition as well well personally thank you very much (laughs) and thank you on behalf of all the the dogs that you're helping where where can people find out more about lint bells well we have a website lintbells.com in which there's lots of information on you move lots of advice on uh, looking after stiff joints and and mobility more generally and also on on the website um, you'll be able to find uh, all of our telephone numbers if you've got any queries or questions at all we've got a customer services team there to answer them or indeed look up lintbells on facebook and again you'll find we have all of our guys answering questions on facebook all the time as well there you go if your dog is being affected by arthritis do ask your vet about you move we have a link on the dogcast radio site to the lint bells site and you can also see an interview with john howie in the dog news show cruft special on youtube and you can hear interviews about another lint bells product yum pro in episode 129 of dogcast radio to bring you up to date with buddy's progress We have now managed a walk in the woods, albeit slow and brief, but something I'd taken for granted was suddenly very precious. Crufts is a lot about raising money for dog and other animal charities, and the Blue Cross were trying out an innovative approach to fundraising. To find out more, I spoke to Kerry Taylor, who's an education manager with the charity. Tell me what, because um, we've got some, some, a lot of technology here this morning, it's very impressive. So tell me what about this coat. Okay, so basically what Blue Cross is trying to do is have our furry four-legged fundraiser. So we've got Gracie here and it's basically, I'll explain it very simply, it's a coat, so a, a nice dog coat with Blue Cross logo on to raise our awareness. And then we've got a device in there through PayPal, um, which means that people can pay contactless and give us a donation. So we're asking for a donation of £2. Actually, I bet the, the, the dog collecting works really well because sometimes when you have had a you know, busy day and you're in the middle of something and a, and a, a human collector comes yes. towards you and it's like, oh, don't make eye contact. But nobody's going to shy away from a dog, are they? No, I mean, we have 
fantastic volunteers yeah. and also fantastic dog volunteers. So what we do is we assess dogs at a potential either event dogs or education dogs. So we know that they're happy to meet people, they're okay with wearing the coat, they can be in a busy environment like this yeah. and they're not going to shy away. You know, the biggest thing for us is that the dog's welfare isn't compromised. Yeah. So Gracie here has had full assessment and as you can see, she loves it. Yeah. She's a, a great fundraiser for us yeah. because it's a way of drawing people in. Absolutely. I mean, it works so well for the dog as well, doesn't it, if you pick the right dog? I think it's got to be the right dog. Yes. Um, but luckily, we've got some amazing dogs and PayPal have kindly donated 20 of these coats for us. So our idea is um, to try and get round to as many events as we can and really get out there and, and raise money to help all those pets that really need our yeah. care. Yeah, yeah. Because behind all the fun, of is, is a lot of fun, there's a serious message, isn't it? I mean, it is a great platform for so many charities, isn't it? Of course. As you said, it's great fun having our dogs out there, getting our message across. But really, it's about caring for the pets that we help. So we help over 40,000 pets every year, and we want to help more. But to do that, we need those valuable money coming in. So it's really about raising awareness and people to, to help us care for more pets. If people would like to donate or, you know, explore the possibility of their dog getting involved, um, where should they look online? So the best place to go to is the Blue Cross website, so bluecross.org.uk, and look at either our fundraising pages or volunteering. And there's loads of different roles that we have for volunteering, from being an educational speaker to local fundraising events um, to helping care for the pets and socialise cats. So really, I'd say there's something for everyone. My next stop was to speak to Wendy Johnson and her dog Gracie, who was actually wearing the new special PayPal coat. Well, Grace is an education dog, so we talk about we talks about dog safety in schools and how to look after pets. But today she's trialling the tap dog coat. So this is contactless payment. You can put your card to her coat. It will do, do a two pound donation, um, contactless. But you do accept it. We won't just take it. And that's a new way to donate to the Blue Cross. So she's just trialling this. That's really good. So this is the first day she's been in action. Yeah, we've just she's had this coat on now for a while. She's quite happy with it. Doesn't cause her any bother. It's a normal coat. And like I said, she just has a little contraption at the side that, that takes the payment. So, yeah, she's donating money as she gives cuddles. <laughs> and as far as she knows, she's just giving cuddles. Gracie thinks everybody's come to Crufts just to give her a cuddle. We have. We There's have. no other reason for you to be here other than to give her a love. Well, why else would we come? Yeah, yeah. She absolutely loves it. Loves all the attention. And what breed is she? She's an Italian Spinone. Yeah. So she's eight now. She's been doing this for six years. Yeah. Really loves being with the children and will meet and greet all day. Really, really loves it. All Anybody can volunteer. You just have to do a short assessment, which is supported, and then all the dogs are assessed. They have to be, make sure that they're the right temperament to go into schools. It's really important that they're laid back and the dogs enjoy it. We don't want any of the dogs to go in and be at all stressed. So as you can see, Grace is not a bit stressed today as she leans on your leg. And, yeah, she's, she's had her nose up my dress already. <laughs> just wants a huge cuddle off everybody. Absolutely. Yes. Well, why not when you're as gorgeous as that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, she, she really does enjoy the day. And it's really nice to be able to promote dog safety, promote that element of, um, you know, it's not just strange dogs that could bite. It could be family dogs as they get older or if they're ill or if you go to meet somebody, you don't know what's happened the day before. So we're really encouraging everybody always to ask before you stroke a dog um, and always just be safe around them and what the behaviours are that a dog might show if it's not too happy. Yeah. And then to give that dog a bit of respect and a bit of space. 
so sort of because I mean but my buddy was a, an education dog and it is a, it's a wonderful experience going into school and talking to youngsters but it's also kind of waking up in them in some of them some of them have it already but waking up in some of them the fact that the dog has feelings and needs and you need to meet those isn't it and especially at times like bonfire night Halloween and Christmas where we might be really excited the dog gets excited it gets shouted at it doesn't know what it's done wrong it starts to worry then somebody comes and says hello or comes up dressed in a costume which a lot of dogs don't understand and then they go oh why did it nip why did, what was that about you know and it was just that you didn't assess the situation from the dog's point of view and we always say to people would you do that with a cat no it'd scratch me well when why is it okay with a dog so really promoting all animal welfare we do horses and when we do going to schools we talk about everything from fish and how fish need excitement too and stimulation in their t- in their tank through to guinea pigs and rabbits and pets mice gerbils everything about how they all need to be cared for and cared for all their lives yeah, that you know it's a lifelong commitment yeah. no, it's, it's a wonderful organization to be involved with so grace is here hoping to raise lots of money today she is and raise awareness as well and encourage all the schools and any organisation to have a talk it's absolutely free of charge so we don't charge anything to have a talk and there are speakers with and without dogs all up and down the country so there's bound to be one near you and it's well worth going along to and meeting a friendly dog or whatever exactly yeah we'll come along we'll talk about whatever we're really, can, really good at meeting brownie and guard badgers so if they're working towards a badge we can get them in as well and yeah just like I said really promoting sort of people taking a step back and perhaps not just assuming that the dog's enjoying something when it might not be because yeah, yeah. they are long suffering aren't they but you read the signs and you go oh that dog's not happy and dogs are extremely tolerant they yeah. put up with all sorts and you see dogs on photos where the dog's really going I don't like it but I love you so I'll do it and it shouldn't be that way it should be that dogs can go yeah I love this too as, as great as element. she's just wandering around visiting everybody and wanting to cuddle off everybody she gets most upset when I, I don't let her go up and greet everybody well Buddy and I have been on the Blue Cross store and then he thought he was here to work everybody and then get, getting from the store back to the press room was a nightmare because he was like no I still have to work everybody yeah. You'll see I have a big bag of treats. I have to bribe her away from people. Yeah. and say, look what I've got. Come away from everybody. And she goes, no, I'll just have one more cuddle. <laughs> just one more cuddle. But, I mean, I know your dogs are clever. And, well, well-trained, shall we say, and you're clever. Um, and you do lots of activities with them. But, in a way, the best activity for a dog is to love people and be good at meeting people, isn't it? Yeah. And one of the things that we always say with, with any kind of dog in this situation is things that you don't think about. So a slippy floor, for example... The tannoy going off is very, very loud for the dogs. So part of Grace's training, I did a lot of train stations where there was tannoys going off. So she just learned that that was okay. Um, Paired it up with rewards, lots of fuss. And to be honest, I mean, Grace, Spinoni's in general, will tolerate whatever for a cuddle. (laughs) So she's quite happily in her element today. I'm the same with dogs, but not so much the cuddles with people. (laughs) No, I'm quite happy to talk to people, but if you give me a cuddle, I will just sort of say thank you very much, but no. Okay, (laughs) I'll move on then, because I'm feeling the urge to cuddle you. Wendy is an excellent ambassador for the Blue Cross, and her dog Gracie was indeed having fun meeting and greeting as many people as she could at Crufts. If you'd like an educational visit, you can find out all you need to know at bluecross.org.uk. And we have a link on the Dogcast site to the PayPal website too. The Animal Health Trust is a marvellous charity which fights disease and injury in animals. 
Their pioneering work, improving diagnosis, treatment and prevention, means that many animals, including dogs, are living healthier, happier lives in the UK and across the world. I spoke to Dr Mark Vorden, who is, well, I'll let him tell you what his role is at the AHT. I'm the Chief Executive of the Animal Health Trust and I'm also in charge of the research that we do there. Right, right. so you're a very clever chap. So they say. (laughs) (laughs) Cleverer than me. (laughs) Okay, so you're here. Well, you tell me, what are you here celebrating? So we come here every year anyway to Crust because we're we're an animal charity, uh, cats, dogs and horses. But this year is our 75th anniversary. So we're trying to get the word out to everybody. We've been here for 75 years caring for animals, yeah, uh, trying to make them better. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, the work you do is amazing, and you're right, you know, we need to get the word out about what you do. I interviewed Mike Saki about the cancer research, and that was incredible. And then the hope that's offering. Yeah, so Mike Stark is the head of the uh, cancer research that we do, and yeah, we're, we're unique in actually we're the only charity in the UK that has a, a cancer centre for treating animals, but also a cancer research institute as well. And we're doing so much to, to, to fight cancer in dogs because Mike probably said but about one in four dogs actually suffer from cancer every year. Yeah. I know I talked about it with him. So the fact that if you can get the word about that out to people before their dog is diagnosed, you know, hopefully your dog won't be. But if your dog is and you've already thought about the fact that you could donate tissues that would help fight cancer you know it's that kind of thing that we that information really needs to get out about yeah, that, isn't it? that's vital it's vital for us to be able to research into, into those diseases to actually get tissues that, that we can work with to further research to benefit other dogs yes so yeah absolutely vital to get the word and what we're trying to do actually in this 75th year is promote ourselves even more because even though we've been around for 75 years we're still not as well known as some of the other animal charities out there so it's it's a big thing to try and get get better known. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you, you're celebrating your 75 years, and you sort of you want people to know about you. If they donate to you, where does the money go? Money goes directly into, into the uh, research. Yes. So, so every year, because we, we're a charity, we have to find about uh, 15 million pounds just to keep ourselves going, and we get no core funding. So we're not like a university where they get core government funding. We get nothing at all. So we've got to raise that money. So it goes you know, right into uh, being able to do the great research and clinical work that we've talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you're raising money for an MRI? Yeah, so uh, again, out of uh, as well as all those normal expenses, uh, we've pioneered actually the use of MRI in, in uh, veterinary work about, about 15 or so years ago. And the MRI scanner we've got now... It's quite old and it needs replacing, and they don't come cheap. Yeah, so an MRI scan is probably a few hundred thousand pounds. So yeah, so as part of the funds we're trying to raise, we'll go towards uh, things like that scanner, and in the past, also in the cancer centres, we said linear accelerator, things like that. They cost a lot of money and a lot of maintenance every year to, just to keep them working. Yeah. Yes, you don't find them on eBay, do you? No, you don't find them on eBay, unfortunately. And there's no money trees outgrowing outside either. So, so. No, no, we'll work <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. yeah you need to, you're the scientist. You could work on that. We should, we should produce one, shouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So where can people find out more about the AHT? Well, if they're here, obviously come by and speak to us. We've got a number of our staff from fundraising, but also the geneticists because we do lots of DNA tests. But also look up on our website, 
uh, write to us, email us on social media. We, we're tweeting out from here. So there are lots of ways that they can actually get in touch with Animal Health Club. Yeah. I mean, you do have a wealth of information. I remember um, researching seasonal canine. Season and, ah, seasonal, seasonal canine, canine illness. That's yeah. the one, that's the one. And, I mean, that's quite bewildering. But when you are an authoritative source of information, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, things like that, the diseases that suddenly crop up, the dog owners need someone to immediately start investigating why is, why is, it, why is that happening and, and, if possible, finding cures for it. Some, some are more difficult than others, and actually the seasonal canine illness is quite, quite an interesting one because it was springing up on Sandringham Estate. So, obviously, the Queen was, was also very interested, and she was our patron as well, and Princess Anne's our president. So uh, we had an affinity for that anyway, so, yeah, we started working on that. But, yeah, many diseases like that, we're trying to early detection, and you refer to the cancer, it's the same thing, early detection, understanding straight away what's going on and trying. And a big part of what we do is then getting that information out, disseminating that information so everybody knows. You know, there's no secrets. We're not trying to keep it to ourselves. We need to Absolutely. get it out yeah. globally, actually, yeah. 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 That's the thing, I mean... It- as you say, the information needs to go out there. Forewarned is forearmed. You know, people need to, to not bury their heads in the sand, come and find the right information. And and that's important, the right information. But come and have a look. And and you're fighting for our dogs and all our animals. We need to all get behind you, don't we? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We need more people to know about us, to, to help us uh, in many, many ways, so that we can continue for the next 75 years working for the health and welfare of our companion animals. The Animal Health Trust really is well worth supporting and checking out their website, which we have a link to on the Dogcast Radio site, because they are excellent advocates for the companion animals we all love so much. And if you're already aware of the wonderful work the AHT do, why not tell someone about them today? We had fun at Crufts, meeting old friends and making new ones, and we hope you've enjoyed hearing all about it. We're back later this month with our next regular show, which features some very fit and active pugs, and how Pam Johnson and her dog Twix coped when Twix sustained a very serious injury. Till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S radio.com if you'd like to get in touch with us and wherever you are in the world we'd love to hear from you you can do so in a variety of ways you can contact us on skype with the ident dog cast radio that's all one word dog cast radio by email you can contact me on julie at dog When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Why do dogs dig up bones? Because they're barkeologists.